I'm Paul Kurtz with John McDevitt, and we are the Beer and Booze Bros. I don't want to see that. Wait a minute. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> the beaver butt. Yeah. Yeah. That was clever. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast is one year old, and we wanted to take a look back at some of the highlights. As subtle as David Lee Roth in Bunless Chaps. This beaver secretion is actually a flavoring. For n- 10 in the morning, a Bud Light will do just fine. Later, we explore Japanese whiskey. There's a shortage, and prices are high. We go to an old city restaurant bar to find out what makes the spirit so special. When it first came out, I was the first one to buy it, um, around $85 a bottle. I believe now at storage is well close to $400 a bottle. What? Wow. It tastes like scotch. Yes. And breweries throughout America, including here in Philadelphia, are brewing beer to help the victims of the California wildfire. There are a lot of people that are homeless now because of this and that lost all their belongings, and uh, there's a big need for help. The oldest candy store in America partners with a distillery to create a quite tasty chocolate whiskey. And we're going to hopefully do this every year with a different nib iteration. There's something about the word nib that just kind of... Makes you chuckle. Oh, my nib. (laughs) And it was right under their noses. Employees of Delaware County's 2SP Brewing were sipping Wawa coffee one day. They came up with an idea that turns into a reality. Winter Reserve Coffee Stout is out. That and more on our first anniversary edition of the Beer and Booze Bros. Beer and Booze Bros is a year old, Paul. Yay! Yay! It's our 12th episode. We started the podcast last December uh, with a mission to learn about beer and spirits in the region by talking with the imbibers, the inventors, and insiders. And we certainly had fun doing that, didn't we? We we sure did. It's been a blast. We started off with the opening of the new home of Yards Brewery in Northern Liberties. Remember that? I'm John McDevitt, along with Paul Kurtz, in the new 70,000-square-foot facility, the new home of Yards Brewery and Tap Room. You're going to be able to get a full view of the whole brewing operation, and then you can actually go outside when it's nice out and have a beer under our 600-barrel fermenters. The beer itself is the D-word, Paul. Delicious. <laughs> That's going to sound either real good or real really? bad. Seventy thousand square feet, huge bar made out of old bowling alley wood, and there are twenty taps. Twenty taps, all theirs. Delicious. And who can forget the Eagles Super Bowl championship parade, John? We were there. Yeah, dumpsters, Miller Light. Yes, in an alley. This is so exciting, and here we are. Uh, it's about 8.30 in the morning on uh, February uh, 8th, and we're in an alley by dumpsters, right? We're not in, we're not in. There's the dumpsters. Look at all these Eagles fans out. The, the place isn't open, and we got a bunch of... Yeah, so so they open at 10 o'clock, and already there's a line outside waiting for them to open their doors. They're going to have green beer inside. And why the green beer, he said... Oh, why the green beer? He asked stupidly. Oh, oh. green beer um, because of Eagles Green. Eagles won the Super Bowl. Yes, they did. 
Are you have you been drinking it? Freaking Eagles won the Super Bowl. That never happens. That was that was certainly one of the highlights for me. Yeah, I mean, you had you know our own joy of celebrating the Eagles' uh, victory, and then going down and watching people talking to people about their joy and um, day loading at eight a.m. Yeah, how about that? Oh my God! And I really like going to the Monell Chemical Census Center in West Philadelphia, that nonprofit uh, scientific institute, and it's dedicated to research and taste and smell. Yeah, and we spoke to world-renowned olfactory expert Dr. Pamela Dalton on the possibility that. Women may have an advantage over men when it comes to detecting inconsistencies in beer. We certainly found out how inadequate our senses are, correct? Yeah, for sure. Well, yours anyway. Yeah, you, okay, worked yeah, on your, you worked on yours over the, over the year. I did. Yeah. A lot of practice. I'm proud of you, Paul. We're hearing that women's palates are more sensitive than men. If I gave you something to smell and gave you four choices of what you were smelling, women typically always do better than men, at least if they're of similar age bands, because as we get older, our sense of smell declines. But women are so much better that, in fact, when you score those tests, men essentially get a handicap. It may be that women have slightly different equipment that they use to smell, maybe more sensory neurons devoted to smell, maybe even differently developed brain regions that allow women to process odors more efficiently and more effectively than men do. Then, of course, there was Wine Week. I like to say real men drink pink. It's like a cinnamony, chocolate, sexy smooth. Somebody bring up the music. Go ahead. <laughs> and Beer Week. You're drinking uh, the Samoa This, which is a chocolate stout brew with caramel, coconut, and pink Himalayan sea salt. Like, if you've ever had one of those cookies that you've been craving from the Girl Scouts, but you don't want to buy them from the girls outside of the Acme, just buy the Southern Tier. It's just as good, if not better. Totally. It is delicious in your mouth. And who can forget the beaver butt whiskey? Yeah, I, I drew the short straw on that one, uh, but it was interesting. I mean, I, I had to do it. This beaver secretion is actually a flavoring. It has a, a vanilla and raspberry type flavor. So we were able to lobby the federal government to allow us to use this as a flavoring in whiskey. So is it is it regulated? Is it is it, is it is it's not gonna kill me, right? Is no, of course not. Of course okay. not. You've probably actually had it in other things that you've eaten before. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, but they, they probably don't tell you that. <laughs> now, we've already sold out of this product in New York. Um, it's selling fast like hotcakes in New Hampshire, and and we're lucky enough to have it here in Pennsylvania. It's uh, the only place in Pennsylvania you can buy it. Should we try it or do Let's you need my boss? Wow, so absolutely amazing. Fruit forward, uh, apricot plummy, raisins, but it has that, you know you're drinking whiskey. You know you're drinking a whiskey. But it really wasn't that bad. This is, this is beaver butt whiskey. That's the whole concept of what you are drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Beaver butt. <laughs> um, yeah, we met some great people too along the way. Uh, yeah, Carol Carol Stout, a fun lady. Yeah, she was a hoot, wasn't she? Yeah, the first woman brewer, right? Certainly among the first. I think she's the very first. Wow. Uh, Stout's Brewery, of course. That she 
he's the uh, founder of that. Yeah. People call you a trailblazer. Do you consider yourself a trailblazer? Of course I'm a trailblazer, of course. Because not only did I uh, come in, make beer in an, uh, in a climate that new one, no one would know about, different beer styles, uh, I was alone for a long time. And... Um, but I, I kind of helped and educated people. We have a lot of brewers that are guys that came and walked through my brewery and worked for a while and then went on to start other breweries. So I mentored a lot of people and I think also gave the encouragement for people to want to start in the business, you know, how to do the research and, and the steps to do uh, before you actually plunge into it. So the cool thing about us is we're small, we can react to the market to please not just ourselves, but also the consumer and try to get into the millennials to drink the beer. Stout. And some, uh, yeah, we, we hung out with uh, Connor Barwin, former Eagle, and Eagle Center Jason Kelsey at Monk's Cafe. I was excited when Yards approached us about doing this. Um, knew they would do a great job. But at the end of the day, you're still like a little nervous how it's going to be, especially a pearl beer, which is this kind of a little bit far out beer that no one really makes anymore. I never heard of it. Well, me neither. So I looked it up and then saw what it was, and I was like, "Well, it's going to be hard to yeah. make this beer." Uh, but it's awesome. It's but, really, but quite, really good. Quite good. You know, it's a working man's beer, and I can get behind those. Yeah. We learned a lot. Yeah, and you know what I really like to getting to know the beer community in, in the Philadelphia area. Uh, they're very tight knit. We heard that they were, but we actually got to know them very well. Yeah, and you, you keep running into those same people over and over again, and, and it's like it's it's interesting. And and uh, you know now they're, they're they know our names now, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. What's it? Happy anniversary. Where do we go from here, John? I don't know. We'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. You may not associate whiskey with Japan, but Japanese whiskey is a very popular libation worldwide, including the Philadelphia region. Tuna Bar in Old City recently celebrated its one-year anniversary. There is a variety of whiskey available there. Unfortunately, there is a shortage of the drink. Manufacturers can't make it fast enough. A two-ounce pour, get this, a two-ounce pour at Tuna Bar ranges from $15 to around $50. One is so rare, it's not even on the menu. You have to ask for it. My name is Kenneth Z. I'm the chef and owner of uh, Tuna Bar. And uh, we're going to here to try some Japanese whiskey. Happy anniversary, Ken. Thank you, thank you. Yes, one year. Time that's flies. A, that's terrific. When we talk about whiskey, Jan, we don't think of Japanese whiskey in, in this country, correct? That is very true. Uh, but now, it's I, I believe you guys know, it's very popular now. Yeah. Uh, and isn't there a shortage? Huge shortage. Especially in Pennsylvania, more than anywhere else. Just because Pennsylvania has such strict liquor laws, it's really hard to get here. Even more difficult in PA. And is it because of the, uh, the Pennsylvania laws, or just, or is it just a whole uh, bunch of different factors, I guess? Pennsylvania law is really difficult to get certain wines and whiskey in general. 
plus on the shortage of having it is also very difficult. So we have four bottles uh, of whiskey here. So we have uh, right now the biggest distillery is uh, the Suntory brand. As you know, they got bought up by Jim Bean. Basically, what we have here is a Yamazaki 12 years, we've got the Hakushu 12 years, and we got the Yamazaki 18. And then we got a blended one from Suntory called Toki, which is something that is easier for them to mass produce because the age ones are really, really difficult. The Yamazaki 12 is coming from uh, the Kyoto region. Uh, Kyoto, if you guys don't know, is known for their great water supply. So uh, when they first made this, distillery I think uh, I, I, I don't remember like 1929 I don't know somewhere around that time um, the, the master brewer wanted to make a distillery with great water the Japanese when they they're known for sake and sake is really important is water great climate great water to make great spirits okay so this is coming from the Kyoto region and their second distillery the Hakushu he wanted to make something a little bit different and this is around uh, the Hakushu is around the forest and streams so this one will have like a more of a earthier woodier taste and this will have a cleaner um, more crisper taste uh, so Ken is um, getting a little cocktail straw and he's siphoning it off some water and, and just uh, dipping it in the whiskey. Just a few and drops. That's all you need. And so why is that done? It, uh, it opens it up a little bit. It definitely um, just opens it up. Different, different flavor. You can taste the difference, I think. Yes. It's not as intense. Oh, wow. Right? Really and not as definitely intense. Definitely opening it up is, 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 is definitely what it's doing. You're tasting all, all sorts More of notes. More Yeah. Yes. Just a little bit. A couple, like one drop of water. Amazing. Different. Yeah. Makes a difference. One of the special whiskeys is the Yamasaki, a single malt Japanese whiskey aged 18 years. It's not on the menu, set. So you, you, you really need it. You don't need to look for the price, really. I think it's a type of deal. Type of deal. Uh, and this is something that you just kind of just say, I, I want. Yamasaki 18 is, a, is extremely rare. It increased in popularity dramatically. When it first came out, I was the first one to buy it around $85 a bottle. I believe now at storage is well close to $400 a bottle. What? Wow. Wow, that's amazing. And, and could you just uh, uh, describe the, the what this is? So you said it's 18. So it's aged for 18 years. Versus what with these? Aged for 12 years. Okay. Higher proof, a lot higher alcohol content, so it does have a little punch. Cheers. All right. Are you gonna have a little, or are you good? You're good. Have, you gotta work. work. Right. Gotta work. Right. So, well, how do you sorry. say? Uh, how do you say? Cheers and come, come by. 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 Now you should sip it, right? You don't want to. You don't want to shoot. Wow. You want to oh, enjoy this. It. it tastes like scotch. Yeah. This month, Sierra Nevada launched a fundraising drive for the people who lost their homes and belongings from those uh, raging wildfires in California. Sierra Nevada is located in Northern California, along with some other nationally known craft breweries. And they're not doing it alone. Sierra Nevada has reached out to virtually every brewery in the nation, asking them to help out by selling a special beer that Sierra Nevada has produced. All proceeds, every dollar, will go to the relief fund. 
One of the breweries taking part in Philadelphia is Second District, and I spoke with the owner, Kurt Decker. I have a lot of friends out in California in the beer business. I know some people that were heavily affected. You know, our friends up in Sonoma with the stuff that happened around uh, Santa Rosa, they were hurt pretty hard. And even, uh, you know, all over California with the different outbreaks of this stuff, there's just been a lot of a lot of need for help and, and the beer industry is a very tight-knit community so we felt pretty strongly about wanting to do it. When did uh, Sierra Nevada put out the word? I feel like it's been a few weeks. Um, we actually, when I heard that they were doing it, I reached out to them um, because we wanted to get involved and I didn't know it was going to become such a mass nationwide thing and they really did then send out emails to basically every brewery that they had contact information for and asked them if they'd be involved and it's uh yeah it's a very big effort that's amazing and from coast to coast yeah the beer industry is getting involved and i mean anybody that's been in this business for a while and i have um has a lot of respect for Sierra Nevada, and they've done a lot for our industry and for small breweries. They're always willing to to go out of their way to help you in any way they can. And uh, I just feel that if they ask for something, that it's hard to say no to them. They're they're such good people. Yeah. What will you be doing now? Um, we're going to do a seven barrel batch of the Resilience IPA, and uh, you know. When, when that goes on tap here in the tap room, all of the proceeds from that will go to the Campfire Relief Fund. When will you be doing that, and how long will it take? We're still waiting on a, a couple ingredients. That some of the, the purveyors have been kind enough to donate products, so they donate malt, donate hops. Um, that's all coordinated through Sierra Nevada, and then... We'll brew the batch. We're waiting on a couple things to come in. We'll probably brew it in the next week or two, and it'll take two weeks or so, maybe three weeks to, to ferment out. It should be ready probably right right around the new year or after. How much will you charge, and how much can you raise for all of this? I mean, we don't know. We want to go through it pretty quickly. We'll probably charge six bucks a pint. should be uh, pushing $10,000. I mean, you multiply that times, you know, uh, uh, just a hundred seven-barrel brewers, and you know, there are also bigger ones taking part. Yeah, yeah. There are some people doing them on twenty-barrel systems and and bigger. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I think it's it's a huge um, effort. They should make a bunch of money for this cause, and uh, it's something that we're very proud to be a part of. And uh, a new beer to, to try, right? I mean, you're yeah, a new beer. Yeah, new beer to try. Um, we're looking forward to it. Yeah. Have you spoken to any other local breweries who are doing this? Uh, Love City, I know, did it. They actually did it as a, a group brew with uh, several other local breweries. So they have a large system, and I think that was a way of them being able to spread the beer around a little bit to some other places, not having it makes such a huge commitment also in their tap room. I mean, that's a lot of beer to have to sell. Now, the, the area that got hit out there, that's big beer country, right? I mean, you said Sonoma, uh, yeah. Lagunitas. Well, there was there. a, you know, our friends at Russian River, a lot of their uh, their staff lost homes. It, it was very close to Sierra. I mean, it was really from 
from the uh, Chico brewery, the Wall of Flames was ridiculously close to their large their large facility out there. So uh, there are a lot of people that are homeless now because of this and that lost all their belongings. And uh, there's a big need for help. After three years in the works, handcrafted chocolate whiskey is ready to be enjoyed. It's an effort between the Philadelphia candy store and a distillery. Well, John, here we are in Center City, another event. And yes. um, this event comes on a very important day in history. What's today? This is the day that Prohibition was repealed in 1933. Thank God. 21st Amendment enacted by Congress. And it just so happens we You know have, a lot about this. Well, I should. Hmm. And, Okay, so, but let's talk. Uh, let's yeah, talk. We're, we're 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 standing here in front of a table with uh, all kinds of fine whiskey, uh, specialized whiskey, and the guys who are putting it together are in front of us. Uh, we have Rob, Rob Castle, and, and you're the whiskey guy. Yes, I'm the master distiller from New Liberty Distillery here in Philadelphia, and you're the chocolate guy, Eric. And I'm Eric Burley, co-owner of Franklin Fountain and Shane Confectionery in Old City. So you, uh, you wait guys... A second, wait a second, yeah. so that, That's way more than being just a chocolate guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shane's is a throwback to the early part of the 20th century, correct? Shane's is uh, America's oldest candy store. It's been a candy store since 1863, imagine the middle of the Civil War. Uh, but uh, the Shane family operated since 1911, and we, we restored it uh, to its 1911 glory. And uh, it's fun to be friends with distillers like Rob. We're literally friends. We hang out. Yeah, so you, you guys have a partnership, and you came up with uh, a product, which is uh, right in front of us. What is this? Talk, talk about this. So the Shane Cacao Whiskey uh, was born out of our friendship uh, with uh, Peruvian cocoa nibs that our chocolate maker uh, roasts in-house. Is that is that what this is? No. no. The, the, the nibs are, are kind of lo- sort of like nutty. Uh, you can buy them at like the health food stores, and often you see them on salads, and you eat them in smoothies. But th- these were aged in Rob's whiskey for literally three years, and then here they are tonight. It's a it's our first annual uh, whiskey release. Oh, just tonight? And yeah. we're going to hopefully do this every year with a different nib iteration. And leave it up to Rob as to what liquor he decides to put in. Oh wow! So Rob, what do we got? Can we can we taste a little? Yeah, totally. Awesome. I already got mine, John. I haven't tasted it yet though. <laughs> just sitting in my glass, calling Can't me. Can't believe you haven't. What is, a little there's drunk. something about the word nib that just kind of makes Steve's you chuckle. Me. Oh, it makes me laugh. <laughs> my nib. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right. We, all right. Whatever. Have... Whatever floats your boat, man. <laughs> oh man. I live in a dark place, Rob. Don't. Right. All right, but so hold on. I digress. So, so the whiskey itself. So it was a, a malt whiskey that we made at uh, New Liberty Distillery, all 100% pot distilled. And New Liberties is local. You're in Northern Liberty. Uh, we're actually in like South Kensington, South so Kensington. like 1400 block of North American. All right, great. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And so we um, we took this whiskey, uh, initially aged it in some used cask, and then re-racked it. And when we re-racked it, we actually moved it over to uh, sitting with the cacao nibs. So we had, I think it was 15 pounds or 10 pounds of the... I'm looking over at Eric, like, this was three years ago, so we're both kind of like, yeah, I think it was about sort of that. Yeah, yeah. So um, 15 pounds of cow nibs, and it just sat there for the last three years. So, What are you expecting when you take a uh, sip of this? The one interesting thing to me is you think of cacao, you know what cacao is used from, and everybody's used to 
the artificial fake flavored stuff you'd see on the normal retail shelf, right? Like I'm, I bet you any money that anybody go to any store within the tri-state area and find something that's some kind of low-priced value liquor that's chocolate flavored versus this, which is cacao nibs just infused sitting with the whiskey aging together. No sugar added, so you get this intense dark chocolate note to it. You get that nuttiness that Eric was talking about, but you're still getting that backbone of distilled spirit that's 90 proof whiskey. Awesome. Let's put it to the proof. test, fellas. Yes, let's go. Cheers, cheers. Cheers. Love that sound. Wow. <laughs> I like that you said test, and I've really already been on my third sip. <laughs> let's test this out for the third time. <laughs> wow. Oh, the chocolate comes right through. Yeah. The smell of chocolate? It doesn't smell like hot chocolate on a on a stove, um, but there is some some of that uh, cocoa bitterness, um, and bitterness isn't a bad thing, uh, especially with such a, a rich, complex food as cacao is. Botanically, cocoa and vanilla beans are pretty much the most complex things we we eat as flavor, and yet we all think of them as singular flavor notes, okay. vanilla and chocolate being sort of the most basic things, but actually botanically, they're mo- they're mo- they, they are technically the most complex. I, I mean, I'll ask it. Okay. Uh, what is cacao? <laughs> so, um, cacao farmers, also called cocoa farmers, they, they basically grow these pods, they're the size of small Nerf footballs, on these trees. They're theobromine cacao trees, and inside there's about 40 of these small cocoa beans and they're in the tropics only about 20 degrees north and south of the equator and essentially what's what's happening in the cacao world is more and more direct trade relationships people are less concerned with certifications and more directly sending profits more directly to farm co-ops so there there have become these these middle middle companies that basically do direct trade importation for the craft chocolate world. And we're really uh, one of uh, the only ones here in Philadelphia doing this. And it's exciting to kind of be on the the progressive forefront of that with Rob, who's doing really progressive things in the the liquor business. So is there like a sustainability or like an ethical approach to what you're talking about? So really, uh, at, at the heart of it is getting at quality, and that means quality fermentations in the origin, quality beans, uh, genetically quality-oriented beans. There's a lot of genetically modified or produced cocoa beans that can yield large quantities, but that's for the commodity market. We're buying things by the pound, but we would prefer to basically buy a more quality cocoa bean and make less of it because we're not really trying to compete with the bigger companies we're we're, we're an artisan boutique do you do that right. because business. yeah do you do that because because you know where it comes from and that you, you know how it was grown exactly the the world of uh, direct trade is I believe the world of the future knowing exactly where your food comes from and knowing the conditions uh, with people that you trust with that literally can take you there. They they have trips. You can you can visit all the the eight farms that we buy our cocoa from.
Two Delaware County-based businesses have partnered to create a new limited edition brew. Back in October, brewers and sales team members at 2SP Brewing Company in Aston were uh, sitting around debating about what new beers they should brew and debut. And an idea was steaming right under their noses, literally. Yeah. Uh, Michael Contreras, uh, the 2SP uh, uh, Director of Sales and Marketing, he tells us that uh, they were drinking their coffee and uh, different brews, Wawa brews, and and they were saying, hey, wait a minute. It's winter. Winter is approaching. Uh, how about doing a stout beer with Wawa? And it was right literally under their noses. And they did partner. They agreed. And uh, Wawa signed on to the idea. And uh, the Winter Reserve Coffee Stout was born. So the Extremely Limited Collaborative is an oatmeal stout. It, it uh, is steeped with Wawa's new Winter Blend Coffee. It blends flavors of sweet clove, dark chocolate, and graham crackers. Hey, Paul, did you uh, hear about this new dog bill and breweries in New Jersey? I, I did not. So they just passed a bill allowing dogs at breweries. They just passed uh, it in New Jersey. The pooches will be allowed in the areas where samplings and, and tastings are done. Uh, the bill, S2753, will allow dogs only in the sampling and tasting areas of New Jersey breweries. I don't... I don't know if I like that. Like, what if the dog has to they have go to clean potty? It, have to clean it up. But I don't want to see that. There's, I don't want to smell some dogs that. Much cleaner than some people I know. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> well, that's it. We'll have another round of beer and booze bros real soon. You can find and subscribe to the Beer and Booze Bros on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Beer and Booze Bros is on Twitter at the Beer Bros, Z at the end. You can find me, Paul Kurtz, on Twitter, backwards at Kurtz Paul. John McDevitt is at JM1060. Tom Rickard helped produce this episode of Beer and Booze Bros. Tom is on Twitter at T Rick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. All right. Whatever, whatever floats your boat, man. <laughs> Cheers, Johnny. Cheers, Paul.